Hello and welcome back to Thought for Thought. Today we're going to be talking about unpopular opinions and the morality on family obligations. With me today, I am Dylan, and with me today here is David. Hello. And Shari. Hey, everybody. Would any like to start off on uh, unpopular opinions? So, my very first unpopular opinion is, and I'm probably going to get cancelled over this, <laughs> is that Beyonce is very overrated. Absolutely. I don't I, I don't. I don't even listen. I don't have a clue about celebrities, um, I mean, but is? I'm sure you will get cancelled, yes, over this. I know who she is. I've seen her, but I keep confusing her with Rihanna, which I also don't listen to. I mean, what has Beyonce done? Why is she so popular? No idea. I, I, don't, I don't even know what she does. I know she does music, but other than that, I've known nothing of her. Pretty bad music, I'd say. I've never heard it, so I have no idea. I, I don't know. I'm, I've heard like one or two songs that I don't even remember the name of. Not my thing. I actually have a, a very unpopular opinion that I'm definitely going to get cancelled for. Is a Pepsi is better than Coke. Mm, sounds you know? good. I, I, I don't really know how to explain it. It's a very minor difference in the taste. I, I Now I'm talking about Pepsi Max now. But it's just a very small thing. I can't really explain it. It's just how it settles on the tongue, you know? I can't tell the difference because it all seems the same to me. I've drunk Pepsi, I've drunk Coke. I can't tell the difference. This the they taste the same, but I've noticed something. Coke, I don't know if you've noticed this, but Coke has been tasting different to me recently. And I think they've changed their uh, recipe. Recipe. Yeah. Yeah. Because I can taste, maybe it's just me, but I can taste a bit of uh, pepper. A bit spicier. A bit spicier, exactly. Yeah, that, that's what I mean. The Pepsi is a bit softer than Coke. That It's a bit more sugary. Yeah. Really. But I yeah, only but noticed that recently. It's not sickly sweet either, you know? Okay, um, so this is less of an unpopular opinion and more of something most people don't know about. Now, this is very specialized, but it's you make light in camera, you expose to the right, and you expose um, in post-production correctly. So this is very specialized. Um, some photographers will hate me for it and some won't. Um, but basically for people who aren't photographers, when, when you're making it light in camera, the way cameras work is they have a dynamic range. So that is the difference between full on black and full on white. Now what you're doing when you're exposing to the right is you have a lot of leeway in your shadows normally, and you have very little on the top. So what you do is you bring the image so that it is as bright as possible without taking away the brightest details. And then in post, you get to take this down and bring it back. Now, this has a few benefits. It gets rid of very, very grainy shadows, and it also helps with um, making the most out of your sensor, because now you have the whole dynamic range rather than just the three quarters that most people use. Okay, that's my opinion. Very nice. And now, I'm not a camera person, so I don't have a lot to say there. Do you? No. 
So recently, uh, I went on a holiday a couple of days ago, and I was with my dad. And since it was Father's Day, uh, I sent him a, a a card. And but because it was Father's Day, I opened Instagram up and I was scrolling through it, and I saw a lot of people on Instagram posting pictures with their father. And I thought that, and this is transitioning into my unpopular opinion which is wishing your dad happy father's day on social media is actually attention seeking and has nothing to do with your dad oh absolutely wishing anyone anything on social media is is attention seeking you know when, when i when i win a competition and i post about it that's kind of attention seeking right but sometimes um in certain situations, for example, wishing your father, who you could see face to face on social media, happy father's day or happy birthday, to someone you could see face to face on that day, absolutely attention seeking. But let's say you were wishing a celebrity a happy birthday. It's not really attention seeking. But you're just doing it because you like them. Yeah, you're just doing it because you like them. But they're not going to see it, so, uh, you know, you should probably just not bother. <laughs> so, are we all in agreement that people who post Happy Father's Day to their fathers and then continue to see them in person are attention seekers? Yes. Absolutely. The same I mean, goes for Mother's Day, the same goes for birthdays. Actually, you, yeah, might as well say this. You can just directly message someone exactly, instead like, of posting it publicly. Exactly. While we're talking about this, I might as well say this. You know how when it's your birthday and you see people put on their story, they go onto their stories and they put, oh, you know, it's my birthday. That's attention seeking too. Yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Why would you do that? But, the only reason I can find is because you want that attention. You want people to say, oh, happy birthday, you know, Jerry Day. I, I, don't I like hate attention. people saying happy birthday to me because, well, one, it means I'm going to get punched about 17 times in the arm, you know. <laughs> <laughs> and by everyone who knows it's my birthday. So, um, you know, it's it's going to be a dead arm by the end of the year, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, second is because people I don't normally seriously that was still in burping didn't even sound like a burp man I, I don't like posting my birthday for attention because my, I, 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 I know how to explain it but I, I kind of cringe at people who seek attention attention mm. it, it's kind of eats on my insides and not in the good way <laughs> have, have you seen people on uh, snapchat sometimes they'll put it up on their story or they'll send you a snap just saying text me oh oh what? i hate it hit yeah. me up hit me up yeah hit me up. why would i hit you up why, why why should i hit you the person that i've never spoken to in my life text me just slap why would you put that on your story? Just text me. Why don't you text somebody? Or even worse. E- the worst of all. The girl's best friend on the girl's birthday. Oh. Clara. I don't know. I'm just picking Clara, all right? Clara. Next snap. My. Next snap. Best. Next snap. Friend. Next snap. In. Next snap. The word. Like, like, and just on and on, one and word just per snap. Pictures and of them. Pictures yeah. of them, yeah. 
But yeah, enough. I, enough. I don't I don't use snap crap oh, yeah. or anything, so I, I'm I'm not really um very um aware of this stuff. <laughs> okay, so enough enough for that ranting. Moving on, I th- now this is another very unpopular opinion, but I think Friends is very overrated. Friends, I've never seen I, the show. And I also think The Office is better. Actually, I haven't watched either. Office or... I, I, I know David has gotten into The Office recently. And well, and, and I've, he loves I've watching all the, the bloopers on, uh, on YouTube, you know. Yeah. <laughs> but so I've never really now. gotten into Office or I've Friends. I've never watched the actual show. I just want watch the funny bits. You should. It's very, very good. It's funny. I've never watched either. I, I, I'm more into actual comedies, you know. Oh, yeah. You know, things that contain people like Will Smith, you know. Will Smith. Sasha Baron Cohen. Sasha very Baron Cohen yeah. is very good. <laughs> Hello, my name is Bora. <laughs> oh, it's a bit off topic, but I remember when he went into America and he tried to greet him the Kazakhstanian way, you know, in air quotes. <laughs> mwah, mwah, you know, that kind of thing. Um, and all the Americans were like... Is he doing like? <laughs> oh my god! So we all agree. Well, I agree that Friends is a bit overrated and The Office is better. That's the end of that argument. Yeah, you got a one out of three vote. Yep, one out of three. We're winning. Here. <laughs> so, last week, or no, not last week. Two weeks ago, I was. I woke up one morning and I went downstairs and there was a box of pizza there, and I opened the box of pizza up and empty. Was, no. Pineapple pizza. One slice of pineapple pizza. Just pineapple. Pineapple pizza with cheese. So I'm very hungry at this point. I don't want to make breakfast. I don't want to put in the effort. I feel very lazy that day. Mm. So I I take that pineapple pizza, put it into the microwave, heat it for like 30 seconds. And I, and I sat there with my cup of tea and I took a bite out of it. And it wasn't bad. Not that bad. <laughs> not it was not. I'm not going to lie. I, I don't. I, 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 I am on... I know it's more or less a 50-50. Some people love it, some people hate it. I just hate it. Just To me, it's the... Because pineapple, right? It's a fruit. It's full of juice. And it, it it's... um It's a texture that just doesn't belong there, you know? It's a kind of a more I know. solid kind of... Yeah, thing. I mean, you know, pineapple, it's, it's kind of... Um, you know, it might... It may be nice to some people, but it is certainly a war crime against the Italians. <laughs> oh, yeah. I, I saw this TikTok the other day, right? Uh, and the girlfriend asked his... While they were in Italy, the girlfriend asked his Italian... Her Italian... I just said his, but... Mm-hmm. <laughs> her Italian... Uh, just... Oh, my God. Um, she asked her Italian boyfriend... If I can order pineapple on pizza, will they give it to me? And the boyfriend goes, I don't know, but uh, I, I cannot live here anymore after. <laughs> so the Italians say pineapple pizza, but you were saying there that the texture of the pineapple isn't, it doesn't go well with pizza, but I think you would be wrong. Because the pizza usually is a bit spicier, so the, the spicy cheese with the red sauce and the pineapple on there, it's like sweet and sour combined. I like more than the classic tomato cheese and um, salami or whatever mushrooms personally i hate mushrooms they make me gag Um, mushrooms are good very good i I don't like the texture it's it's like jelly but non-sweet but anyway you're basically eating mold 
Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, if you cook it the right way, so you put in butter and you put in soya sauce and uh, you put some salt and pepper on it, you mix it up, you put it into your veggies, it's very good. Eat it right. with steak. But um, what I was saying is, I prefer barbecue topping instead of tomato sauce and cheese and chicken. Beautiful. Mwah. Again, war crime against the Italians, but, you know... So we're now moving on to the philosophy section. And today we're going to talk about family obligations. So most of your parents brought you into this world. They also fed you and cleaned you. And they wiped away your tears. They, you could say, essentially raised you. But yet, according to the contemporary English philosopher, Jane English, she said, once you're grown, you don't owe your parents anything. That might sound a bit selfish, ungrateful and mean, but bear with us. So let's today scrutinize one of the most important relationships of your life, the one that you've had the longest and the most intimate, your parents. So there are three basic views when it comes to your obligations uh, towards your parents. You, the first view you could say is called the unconditional view. And that is that simply by virtue of being your parent, that person is entitled to certain things from you. At a bare minimum, your presence and attention in their lives until one of you dies. That's, so you yeah. unconditionally, you owe your parents something. There's the unconditional view, which is that simply by virtue of being your parent, that person is entitled to certain things from you. So at a bare minimum, you could say their presence and attention in their life until one of you dies. So you owe them everything that you've got. You owe them something until the day either you die or your parent dies. Okay. So the, the other uh, option is that it's conditional it depends on your childhood you owe them something if you had a good childhood and they treated you well whereas if they were abusive alcoholic drug uh, takers and dealers uh, who beat you daily and um, uh, and basically ruined you then you don't owe them anything and you should be a-okay to get the hell out of their lives and get them the hell out of your life. There's also the friendship view, right? Where you don't actually owe your parents anything once you're grown, regardless of how much you benefited or how much you despise them once you've yeah. left the house. That's it. Many of us assume that we owe our parents a lot with all the feeding, driving and to soccer games and acting like they enjoyed your birthday cards. But the English philosopher that I mentioned, Jane English, made a couple of good points here. First, she said, if anything, it's the parents who owe their kids because you didn't really choose to be born. None of us really chose to be born and you can't have an obligation if you didn't do something to incur that obligation. You never wanted to be born. You were just born. Yeah. Yeah. So, so I mean, sometimes well, your parents like, just give that, birth to you. Some people that, don't even know they're pregnant, you know? Yeah. Well, some, yeah. like, that can sound ungrateful. Oh, well, I didn't ask to be born, you know? That can sound ungrateful, but think about it. It's not necessarily a bad thing. But if by being born all of a sudden I owe someone who God knows could be a drug dealer, who God knows could give me health issues, for the rest of my life, like I'm lucky my parents didn't, but um, who knows what parents are like. It, it, it's a lottery both for the parents and for the babies that are getting born. Mm. 
Like, you couldn't really ask to be born. No matter how much you value life, no matter how much you love your parents, you still didn't ask to be born. Yeah. You couldn't have been. Yeah. It's impossible to ask that. Yeah, so you could... Well, what kind of... <clears throat> Hobbes said, uh, Thomas Hobbes, the philosopher, he looked at it from a contractarianism point of view, which was that you you might sign into a... You might get into a contract with your parents. But if as an adult you enter in, into agreement with your parents, like you can live at home for free as long as you maintain your grades in college, then that's, that will be considered as a contract. But any benefits incurred while growing up don't really count because back when the relationship started, back when you were born, you were just a baby. And you didn't have the rational capacity to be held to a moral contract. Like we don't hold a baby to the same account as we would hold an adult to. I mean, yeah, if a baby, actually... if a three-year-old, right? I, I'm going to bring this to America here. If a three-year-old shoots his or her dad by accident because there there was a gun on the ground or whatever, right? We can't hold the three-year-old responsible. They don't even know what a gun is, actually. I mean, if you're a baby, you can't really enter into a moral contract. And besides that, good parents give unconditionally. So no matter how much you receive from them, you simply don't incur debt because that's not how family works. Right. You, you don't... Mm. Good I mean, parents don't put a condition on their love. Exactly. They don't. And Jane, Jane English, the uh, English philosopher, she isn't giving us a free pass to freeload off our parents. She said that if, you, if you've had a good relationship with your parents, you're probably going to help them out in a form of... Friendship. Exactly. Love. Wiping their old arses. Mm -hmm. So you didn't incur that by being raised. So just like with friendship, you can choose not to maintain a relationship with your parents. It's completely up to you. And this might sound a bit controversial, especially when we're talking about our parents, because friendships are friendships, but your parents are your parents. Yeah. One yeah. thing that uh, isn't brought up often is how friendships can also change. Even if your parents raised you so well until you're 18, and then they started being snorty to you, saying you owe me this and that, you know, you can still cut contact then, you know. It, it, it's it's like if a friend of yours is a friend for, let's say, 10 years, a good friend, and then they start being all an ass to you and everything, borrowing money but never paying back, you know, all of that, you know. So they're basically being fake for... 18 years. Yeah, and then, and then they show their true colours to you. Yeah, that they actually had an expectation that you would make money, give them all that they wanted, you know? Yeah. So the example I gave before, it, it, it was a bit controversial, and I'll just recap on it very quickly, that you don't, you don't really incur debt by being raised because in friendship you give to give out of love rather than keeping secret tabs on who paid what because you, you love your friend, you like your friend. And like I said, might sound a bit controversial, but... Think about this, by that logic, a person who was adopted at birth would have obligations to biological relatives that they've never met and they wouldn't have any obligations to the family that raised them. If we were to look at simply, you know, blood relations. Yeah. If I'm related to you through blood, do I owe you something? I'm, I, I mean, I'm related to uh, my second, second moved like uncle or second moved cousin. From blood, like we're actually all related, isn't it? We are, but we are all related. Does that mean we all have a contractual obligation to every other person on, like, well, not contractual, but moral, 
obligation every other person on earth. No, we do not. We become nice people by being nice to people. But a moral obligation wouldn't be what we have. Exactly. And I think we can all agree, like Dylan said, that doesn't really make sense saying that you only owe somebody if they're your blood relation. That That is the most important relation. That's not true, necessarily. So if you think families are built through love and blood, then it follows that families lacking in love can't make moral demands on its members because they simply don't have that standing because they don't mean something to you. Yeah. So this is another view on family obligations, and this is a bit of a controversial one, so bear with us. So there's this guy called La Follesse, and he said, before you trust to do, to do something, uh, that has the potential to cause harm, you have to demonstrate that you can actually handle it. So if you think about it, I mean, you get a driver's license, you get a certificate of marriage, you need a license for marriage too, you get a license for hunting, and you even, fun fact actually, you get a license for cutting hair too. So if you want to be a barber, you have to have uh, a license. So La Follette said that there should be another group of people who should be licensed. And if you've guessed it, you're right, it's your parents. If you think about it, we have, like the examples that I said there, like we have licenses for so many things, why not parents? Most activities that require competence to do well that can cause harm, if done badly, are regulated by society. I mean, there's no question that parenting is, isn't is easy. You can really mess up a kid if you do it badly. You could, you could get the kid trauma, psychological problems, mental health issues, so many problems. Just general health issues, general sugar, health. sugar, 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 yeah. diabetes. But right now, the government and society at large, we wait until the parent has abused or neglected the child before the state intervenes. And isn't that wrong? Do you agree or disagree? Yeah. 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 One little problem I have with the parenting license, let's say it. What what, what happens to accidents? You know? Well, ah, that's, that's very good. <laughs> Abortion, know, adoption, both are very controversial topics because, I mean, at the moment we've well overloaded adoption centres and some people are just so against abortion that they don't want to see other people do it. You I know? mean, does it, doesn't, you know, the, the state, some people would argue that the state saying that, you know, you've got to take a test to have a kid is a bit authoritarian, authoritative, I'd yeah. say. I mean, but, it reminds yeah. me of 1984 by George Orwell. And I mean, just because it, you have it, it, a license, please don't interrupt me. No, it is authoritarian. Just because you have it's a license, for the good. Just because you have a license, doesn't mean that you are competent. I have seen plenty of moron drivers out on the road. Sure. I have seen plenty of drunk drivers out on the road, namely because I watched dash cam stuff on YouTube, but. They exist, and a license doesn't guarantee good parents. I I can almost guarantee almost everyone who applies for a driver's license gets through, say 90%. That was a really good point, David. So ask yourself this question. Would society be better or worse if you needed a license to raise children? And does everybody have the... Now, this is a very, very, very important question. Does everybody have the right to be a parent? Absolutely not. Some people would I mean, disagree. if you look at the likes of um, people who are drug addicts, who are um, drug dealers. Drug no. addicts shouldn't be parents. Think about it. Uh, while they're addicted to drugs, they'll find the drugs more important than... Like, it's the hard... It's harsh. It's really harsh tru truths. But people who are addicted 
to substances that can make them either really lazy, not care about a child, or are really, really violent. You, you say that, but at the same time, who is to stop me from having a kid or who is to stop somebody who's, who has an addiction to drugs from, uh, how are you going to stop them from having a child? I mean, if everybody's truly free and everybody has a right to do what they want to do and they're an individual, the, the, the person who's addicted to drugs has every right to have a child as you do, Dylan. You can't say right, but you can have a child and you can't have a child. But they can't give that good of a life to the kid. Imagine, imagine being raised in a household where some substance was more important than you were. Where some substance to your parent was more important than your breakfast no, no. in the morning or your school education. I agree with you on that part, you know? but I'm saying the right to have a child, that essential right. I mean, if you look at the uh, human life itself, what is our purpose? To reproduce. To reproduce. What is the purpose of a zebra? To make sure that it... Right, but... And we are animals just like them. So our job, one of our jobs is to also reproduce. But That's one, one of the one most of, important one parts of part, One part of reproducing is taking care of the child and raising the child. It's what you owe to the child well, once you have, let's say, brought it into this world. Well, you could give it up for adoption, right? Then you'd but, hardly be a parent. But th- yeah. then you wouldn't be a parent. Then you'd just be... You'd have someone you had, who you gave would've... away a child. But if you, let's say, give birth to it and decide to keep it, or if you adopt a child, you owe your child that you raise it well, that you give it your priority. I agree with you on that. But what I'm saying is the, the, the specific word is everybody has a right to be a parent. Who? How do we even decide that? I mean, there are good parents and bad parents, but that essential essential word, like right, like who has a right to speak? Who has a right to do certain stuff? I think everybody has a right to do whatever the hell they want to do. Except for like murdering. Murdering and stuff. Yeah, yeah. If you're hurting other people. No, wait. No, actually, I changed my mind on this one. If you are hurting somebody, in, in, in which case you are hurting a child, a human life, yeah, if yeah. you're hurting, if you're, you know, you're if, hurting the child by by taking abusing drugs, if you're that child in the future is going to suffer because of you. Yeah. But that also brings us to into another argument because once the child would be born, the child will be considered disabled. I'm not sure if that word would get me cancelled. I don't know what word is. Well, PC. a disability. A di- yeah, you were born with a disability. And then again, people would argue, I mean, what's wrong with the disability? I mean, disabled people are just as good as everybody else. Right. But, um, that, but some I think disabled we, I, people yeah. suffer. You know, I mean, let's, let's move on. That's a topic for another Yeah, day. let's now delve into that. So, on the other hand, there's another argument. And the argument was, well, the head of that argument, you could say, the most popular person portraying that argument is the contemporary American philosopher Claudia Mills. And she believes that your family members are the only people in your life that are permanent and unchosen because that, and because of that, there's a value in maintaining that connection with them. Because especially nowadays, we, we kind of live in a world where everything is so fast-paced and it's constantly changing. Like, we all will go through many jobs before we die. We'll make many friends before we die. We'll, you know, a few family members will die along the way too. But specifically looking at jobs, I mean, you go back 60, 70 years ago, if you would have gotten one job, you would have stuck with it for a very long time. 
or the rest of your life or the rest of your life but nowadays it's like everybody's moving companies or everybody's shifting where they're where they're working or where they're living every five years you could say yeah i mean you know my dad has been through so many different careers because careers kept ending you know tv technicians people stopped renting tvs um it there was the big dot-com bubble that burst you know it there's lots of different things that just come and then go away. You know, cowboys were a profession, yeah. for example, that only lasted maybe 20 years. It was only 20 years they lasted. So you might have noticed that this is the first time our discussion of ethics has focused, focused on personal individual connections, on feelings of love rather than impartiality. So this is a characteristic of a school of moral thought known as ethics of care. And this is a bit hard to understand, but please do bear with us. So the ethics of care says that morality goes wrong when we em- emphasize impartiality because our most caring relationships, that makes our lives worthwhile. And we want uh, our friends and family to care f- more for us than they do for strangers. Would you agree? Yes. Yeah. yeah. So ethicists often ethicists of care often reason that even though we might have a genuine love for humanity itself you can't just beat the unconditional love of you know i would literally die for you or i would literally kill for you that's that's how much i love you that's the type of love you only have for people that we know best or trust best the ones whom we share an intimacy that we can't feel with strangers and because of that many ethicists worry that showing preference for the people that you uh that, that you like opens up a door to prejudice, to discrimination. And this is an interesting type of discrimination because I always thought of discrimination as being because of somebody's sexuality, because of somebody's racism, gender, blah, blah, blah. racism, yeah. But I never thought about it this way. Like, I, I do this. Now, I discriminate against people that I like and I don't like. Um, you, you aren't biased against or for someone you don't know at all if you're not a racist or a homophobe, blah, 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 all the words, you know. And you're not um, biased against just a person there mm-hmm. or you're not biased for them. If you don't know them, it's what they do, their opinions that form what you think of them. And that's how you become either biased for them or biased against them. And And you're not biased for any of your friends like you know all your friends um you know they're your friends Mm -hmm. and um they're i i don't really see the worry of being biased for your friends i don't really see the worry there i think about it this way what if you were offering up a job and you had a friend going up for that job and you had a stranger going up for that job and your friend was very close to you like you were like brothers or sisters, how would you even get that give that job to the stranger without well, worrying that there are laws, but I, I don't see how you can enforce something like that. But um if someone believes they But isn't that a form of discrimination then? Well I, Well there's the unconscious bias you see. Um biases that you don't even know that you're displaying. Uh, that's quite a dangerous thing and that kind of counters the oh you're not biased against a stranger thing because you are you just don't even realize it 
Um, no, you're not biased against a stranger. You're biased for your friend. You don't hate that stranger for no reason, you know? But you prefer oh, your friend. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. And this, you know, the way I would solve it is I would give it to the genuinely more qualified individual. But that's the hard part of it, you see. It's, be, it's being kind to people you don't like and who are different from you or you simply don't really understand well because you would want to give it to your friend because your friend is your friend. You know your friend. You trust your friend. Your friend means something to you. And that friend might even end up, you know, having, let's say, no, that was wrong. Your friend actually might end up not liking you after giving that stranger the job because your friend's sitting there going like, what the hell? I... I am your friend, I've known you for so long, yet you gave that job to the stranger. Right, but then again, you must think about it this way. If a friend applies for a job in your company that requires a very specific set of skills, that friend must also understand that they might not get a job. Like, if they feel like, oh, I'm, I'm going to go up there now uh, because this guy is my friend and uh, he has to give it to me because he's my friend and he owes me that. Is that person truly your friend or is he just a selfish asshole? I mean... No, I think you don't get my point. When I said a couple of minutes ago, I was like, this is the type of love that is, I would literally die for you type of love. Like, that's how much you like this person. Right, but then they wouldn't uh, stop being your friend if you reject the job because they know it, it, it's it's a specific set of skills, right? No, but and you, they might not have all of them. But, that you love that person, you, but you love that person so much that you would give them the job. Right, but they also understand if they don't get the job. No, but in this case, you love them so much that you're giving them the job because that's how much, how strong the love is. It's like the love with your mother. Now, imagine this, your mom, your mom is there and you, you can give her a job opportunity and she could earn a lot of money. And then on the other hand, there's a stranger there. Who do you give it to? Honestly, I'm, I, you know, I, I have an ability to separate my personal feelings from my decision making. Uh, so I, I, I would give it to the person who could do the better job. If I thought that was my mother, absolutely give but it to her. But that's your mom, you see. Yeah. If I thought it was the stranger, right? But right only mother him. was cared for you for so long that you're just gonna right. Let but that that goes back go. to I mean, to, then again, to moral obligation. Do you do you do are you obligated to give this person a job who might not be qualified for the job, who might lose this company money, who might lose you money? the job just so they can make that kind just, of a way. You are know? you the CEO of said company? There, there, there's a the lot owner. of factors that go into it. There's a lot okay. of factors. Because if you own the company and you have all the money, you can just hire give this person you want. the yes, money. You're right. So getting back to the point. So what I was trying to say is that it would be a great it would be great if everybody had a support network of people who love them so we, we would just all take care of each other and our own loved ones and life would be perfect because at the end of the day you are un but subconsciously biased towards unbiased towards strangers. You don't prefer them over your uh, loved ones. We're moving towards the end of our discussion because we're kind of running out of time. So very quickly in, in, in a few minutes, do you think saying that, you know, it would be great to live in a world where everybody had uh, a, a, a support care network for not only themselves, but their loved ones. Is that a bit too idealistic? Well, a lot well, of people have a support network and some don't. And the reality is it's possible that they may never have a support network. Right. I, I feel like every dream is too idealistic. Um, no homeless people in the world are too idealistic. 
we're ending world hunger too idealistic everyone having a support network is too idealistic everything we dream for this planet it's all too idealistic doesn't mean we can't strive for it but i agree um i would also kind of agree with dylan on this but i would take a different take just just a bit that i think that it definitely is a bit too idealistic but doesn't mean we shouldn't strive for it I mean, stuff like poverty and racism, as much as we try to fight against it and as much as we try to, you know, educate people on it or as much as we try to help people on it, we will never, ever, unfortunately, fortunately, unfortunately, unfortunately, we will never live in a world where there is no racism and there is no discrimination or there is no poverty. Yeah. Because that's just how the world works. There will always be people one above the other. That that will always... Trying to get the upper hand. Yeah, that will always continue. But that, that's another philosophical topic, whether humans are greedy or not, and are inherently good or bad. Any final thoughts on what we talked about? What do you think? Do you, Dylan, do you have a moral obligation towards your parents? Absolutely not. Well, moral obligation, that's hard to say. Do we have a moral obligation to humanity or not? There's, there's so much to it. Like, um, But in, in general, I do not feel we owe our parents anything. But mm-hmm. giving them our friendship if they gave us a good life is something you can do, you know. They gave us a good raise. David? I mean, you know, you, you don't necessarily have an obligation to them. I, I think you might be... Um, yeah, you, you don't really have an obligation, but... I think if they were nice to you, it would be a very, very nice gesture to keep up your relationship with them. It's very, it's a shame to lose something like that. Even adoptive parents. Even adoptive parents. Yes. You know, you, you should try to stay close to them if they were good to you. Because they will continue to be good to you. Mm-hmm. And you will then have your chance to be good to them. Agreed. Uh, I would personally say that... I think that I have no moral obligation towards my parents, but I would definitely help them out because they have been nothing but nice and helpful to me and I, I hope they continue to do so. But at the same time, I kind of strongly disagree with people who have the, uh, the con- unconditional view, which is that you 100% have to do something for your parents just because they're related to you through plot. I disagree with that strongly because you could both have good parents and shitty parents. Yeah. And it all depends on how your parents have treated you throughout your life. And that is all we have yeah. today. Yeah. I'll do a very quick recap of what we learned today. We learned about moral obligations to our family. We learned or we talked about licensing to parents. Uh, we talked about the ethics of care and problems with the ethics of care. And I hope you enjoyed this episode of Top for Thought. Make sure you give us five stars on whatever podcast app you're listening to. Drop Tell your friends about us, drop some topics that you want us to talk about, and yep, hope you enjoyed it. Goodbye. Goodbye.